paper, and I want you to make a mark each time I say that word. So Charlie, Emma Kate, Madeline Grace, Lucy, Vera, I'm talking to you guys. I've got a special packet. If you will take out a piece of paper, I'm going to give you a special word. And each time I say it, I want you to mark down that word. All right, so all you're going to do is mark a little tally each time I say it. And then at the end of the day, we've got a little packet that will be just for you. It'll be for you to take home. But you know, sometimes it makes it a lot easier if you're able to take notes. See, Elijah is waiting on the word. Okay, if you're under sixth grade, I'll make the deal with you. Go ahead and you keep track of every time the word awesome is said. Now go ahead and check your paper. It should have one little tick underneath your keeping track spot because I've already said awesome two times. All right. Today as we come together, I first off want to say it is great to see each person here. As we look around, you know, the, the numbers have been climbing. We're getting, getting back to where we hope to be and... Um, I believe Connie pointed it out last night, that would be completely full is where we want to be, where there's no seating. We want a sold out crowd. So we encourage you to, to come be a part and to take part in worship as we come together to recognize our great Lord. Now today is an awesome day. Tick number three. Because today I know after services we get together, we get to fellowship a little bit. We ramp up the Lads to Leaders group, and I'm so excited for that. And I'm thankful for some of the great things, or all of the great things that we have going on at Olive Branch. And I pray that you will be a part. Today, we are going to be looking at God's awesomeness. Our God is an awesome God. Now, we just sang the song. I actually asked Danton to, asked Danton to lead the song before the lesson because... It's probably the last time that you get to sing it that way. All right. When you sing the words, our God is an awesome God, what do you think? Well, you know, I logged on to Facebook last, I believe it was Friday or Saturday morning, and I get on Facebook, and James has these pictures of Boston butts that are going to be cooked. And I started to type in the message, I said, that's an awesome looking meal but then I was like well it's not cooked so it doesn't look that way yet and then I said I don't want to use the word awesome because somebody's going to call me out on it and so instead I said that's an incredible person that's cooking right there all right we use the word awesome a lot of times in our society but yet it's not necessarily what it really meant originally now, understanding the English language is constantly changing. It is not a dead language. And so, therefore, the current usage of it is not wrong. It just doesn't carry the same meaning that it did when it was recorded, for instance, in our scripture reading in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4. So, if you go ahead and open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, we're going to begin there and we'll recognize the word awesome. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, it's actually going to be used two different ways. And when we sing the song, our God is an awesome God, what do you think? I think, man, God is incredible. God is special. God is great. God is wonderful and he has been so good to me. I am so thankful that God has 
given me the opportunity to live, that he's given me the blessings that he has, that he's given me Jesus Christ that can wash away my sins. And you look at Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, and we'll read through it. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, we see the, the word awesome. But as you read Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, it actually seems as though it's redundant. But it's not. Daniel chapter 9, notice verse 4, it says, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. Now, as I mentioned the word awesome, the way we use it multiple times over and over in our society, you know, I could use it talking about food. I could use it talking about a building. I could use it as I look out over... I've never seen it, but I've always wanted to. I plan to go sometime and take my wife and hopefully the kids too. The Grand Canyon. I expect one day to look over it and say, wow, that's awesome. And in that, and in that instance and in that usage of the word, in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, the word great is used. And the way we use the word awesome in our society fits very closely with the word great. God is a great God. That means He's special. He's different than anything else we've ever imagined. And so God is great. But if you follow along in chapter 9 and verse 4, right after it says great, it says He's a great and awesome God. Now as we talk about the word awesome, first off, I pulled up on my computer you know, definition of awesome. And it said extremely impressive. Or daunting, and I'm like, that's exactly how I use it. Anything that I really think is special, I say, that's awesome. But then it says, inspiring great admiration, apprehension, or fear. You know, if you go back to the, the old dictionary, I've got there on my bookshelf, it was probably written in the 50s or the 60s. It's, it's far older, but it says, inspiring awes, mixed feelings of reverence and fear. And wonder caused by something majestic, some sublime or sacred. Now, as we talk about the word awesome, we notice that it's, it's special. But I want you to look at the original. All right, you go way back into Genesis chapter 28. We'll see the first time that it's actually used. Genesis chapter 28, you can look in verse 16. Now, Jacob has just had a dream... And he's imagining, or he's, he's reminiscing. He wakes up from his dream and he's thinking back through it. And he recognizes at this moment, God is present. God is near. Notice in Genesis 28 and verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And notice it says, and he was afraid. And he says, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The word awesome here is used 314 times in the New Testament, in, in the in the, the Bible that we carry today. You can see 314 times. Now, of those 314 times that it's used, 38 times it is translated the word 
awesome. More commonly, it is translated fear or afraid. It's also translated terrible, terrible thing, fearful, reverence, dreadful. All right, the idea behind awesome was not so much as I look to him and I'm in amazement, but rather I look to God and I say, I want to show you the utmost respect. I see his hands shaking. I see him quiver down as he, he looks up and recognizes the greatness of God. And Jacob is right here. And after having this dream, he's scared. He says, truly, God is in this place. I think to the New Testament, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, what? God's there. God's there. One thing we need to recognize about worship is God's there. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from the omnipresence of God being here, there, and He's with you in the car and He's at home, but there is something special about when Christians gather, whereas we come together and we can say, oh, our God's an awesome God, I'm going to do anything I want. Nothing special about this, this is just another joyful day in life. But rather, the attitude that Jacob had when he recognizes that God is in this place is he says, I will pay attention. I will give the utmost respect because God is awesome. Do we recognize the significance and the glory and the reverence do God. From a personal standpoint, I believe oftentimes I can say that I take it for granted. Well, you know, we have the opportunity to come together worship this week just as we did last week, not to mention we get to come together for Bible class. We get to come together for other occasions. We get to come together and eat. We get to spend all this time with our fellow brothers and sisters and we don't recognize the attitude of fear that comes for the respect of God. Not, not only do we recognize that God was greater than all. You know, we see the word great. We sing the, the song, our God is an awesome God. How great you are, God. You're a great God. Is that true? Absolutely. But when you sing the words, our God is an awesome God, recognize that that means I should be trembling and fearful and recognizing how much greater God is than I when I sing the song. If we're to sing the song, our God is an awesome God and our mind is in a different land. We aren't singing the song, our God is awesome, but rather we're just simply, we're, we're saying words that have no significance. To recognize that God is so much greater than us that we should cower in fear because he has the ability to kill, to destroy. Don't fear Fear the one that can kill the, the body. Rather, fear the one who can kill the soul. Fear the one that can cast you down for eternity. The word that we're talking about that's translated 314 times in the Bible is the word Yah-Re. Right? You're supposed to roll that R, they say in Hebrew. So you got Yah and Re. You put them together, we've got one Hebrew word, and it's used 314 times. But the whole point is God is to be fearfully held in reverence. 
Not only is God to be fearfully held in reverence, but He is to be feared. And there's a difference there because Christians fearfully hold God in reference, in reverence. But to one that is unfaithful, to one that doesn't have the desire to put God first, God ought to be feared. Romans chapter 11, verse 22. You likely know the verse. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. The severity of God. Meaning, if I was talking to my kids, I would say, I'm not playing. God doesn't play. When God speaks and makes rules, when God gives laws for our lives, the point is you better follow them. Looking back over my time as a dad, there was that first time Charlie was pretty young and I remember that uh, she did something and I said, Charlie, don't do that or come here. And I said, one, two, and three. And she was looking at me and I popped her. She was, she was young. But the next time I said, Charlie, don't do that. One, two, three, she came running. There was a certain respect because she knew dad doesn't play. Now it's changed since then. Now she thinks I play. <laughs> but she looked to me as awesome. What do I mean? To be feared. She recognized that there's a difference between, oh, daddy's my best friend and I better listen or trouble will come. When you look at God as to be feared in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, the point is God is to be feared because He isn't playing. The severity of God is that He will carry out what He said. You look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, you've got some that are going to choose the straight and narrow path, and you have some that are going to choose the broad way, and surely whatever you choose is absolutely what you will receive. Why? Because God doesn't play. And when we look at the word awesome, that's the point. God means business. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 21. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 21. Here it says, you shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. Who was to be fearful? Who was to be scared in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 21? To a certain respect, both. But those that were against the Lord's people, you really better be scared. There is a difference between the reverential 
fear that a Christian should have and the fear that one who chooses not to obey God ought to have. God is to be feared. He says, hey, don't you fear. Don't be terrified of them. As Christians, you don't have to be scared of those that can destroy the body, but you better be scared of the one that can destroy the soul. He said, the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, was on their side. He is among them. So God not only is greater than all, God is not only fearfully to be held in reverence, but at the same time He's to be feared. And not only should we fear Him, but He's worthy of it. God is worthy of our fear. Look at Psalm chapter 68. In the 68th Psalm, I want you to drop down into verse 35. It's a short verse, but it has great meaning. Psalm 68, verse 35. It says, Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. God is worthy. God is worthy of our fear. You think about all the holy places, physically built things. And yet he says, this isn't worthy of who you are. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. You think we could have a building that's so special? No. The only building that would be so special is the church. The, the church being what God created, and the problem is there's still Christians in it, and so God deserves better than what we have to offer. God is worthy of our fear. Notice that God, God is greater than us in every way. Not only do I want to recognize that God is awesome, not only do I want to recognize His awesomeness, but let's look at His aboveness because He's above us. Not that He's in heaven, but that He is greater. On a scale of 1 to 10, God's not on the scale. Somewhere you fall into it. Within this, we recognize God is above anything that we can imagine. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter, well, actually look at Acts chapter 7. We can skip Isaiah 6. It's going to be the same verse. Isaiah chapter 7. I said Isaiah again. Go to Acts chapter 7. I've told many people that I'm confused easily. And uh, that happened again today. Here we go. Acts chapter 7, starting verse 49. It says, Heaven is my throne. Now this is actually a quotation of Isaiah that I was mentioning. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? In verse 50. All right, you recognize within the Jews... Well, we'll recognize in just a second that uh, the temple was built. Look at 1 Kings. 
Solomon prays at the completion of the, the temple, and he's, he's talking about how far greater he is, how far God is greater than anything that we could provide. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, we'll see Solomon as he offers a prayer, as they institute or as they complete and dedicate the the temple. 1 Kings chapter 8, beginning in verse 27, it says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the prayer of your servants and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying for you today that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day, toward the place which you said, My name shall be there. And you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. All right. Solomon, in all his wisdom, recognizes that this beautiful temple, you can go through and look at the majesticness of it, you can see the majesty that it portrays. You can see all the gold and all the different things that are used. And yet, this isn't worthy of having God in it. God is so much greater than anything that we could imagine. So much greater than anything that we could produce. That all of a sudden, as Solomon says, he says, this doesn't have it. But what's his point? This is my best try. I'm trying to make something that is worthy of you. And he recognizes when it's all done, after all the money is spent, he says, look, God, you are far superior to this place. That is God's aboveness. And the reason he's got aboveness is because he's awesome. There she goes. All right, God's desire is for us to enjoy the glories of heaven. Within his aboveness, his pole point is, come and be with me. John chapter 14, sorry. In John chapter 14, and verse 3, it says, Jesus speaking there, and he says, and if I go to prepare a place, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. God's desire is not only that he has this beautiful place called heaven, but rather that he has you there with him. For I am come to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10. The point is he wants us. So the question is, what will we do to get to that place? God is awesome. God is above. But finally, let's look at some of God's attributes. First off, notice the wisdom of the Lord. Genesis chapter 18. Well, in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham actually, he poses the question. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You know, what's the point of a judge? A judge tries to come in and they try to come to an opinion. They try to come to an answer. We call it a judgment. That is right. That's what they're looking for. That's their goal, is to figure out what's right. 
Now, as corrupt as the, the system is, they still have a purpose and their hope is to figure out what's right. And Abraham says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? There is no question without a, without a shadow of the doubt. The court system that God is the judge over will be absolutely 100% right. And so therefore it means we better make sure that we are living right because he knows. Because we can't hide anything from him. And so therefore within the wisdom of the Lord understand God's going to do right and so should I. What I mean is he's going to make the right judgment and we need to live in a way in which our actions are judged. We can expect to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As we recognize the, the wisdom of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 25 it says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than what? Man. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weaknesses of God is stronger. God on his worst day is far wiser than Solomon ever dreamed of. And Solomon was still wiser than us. And as you think about God's wisdom... The wisdom of the Lord is that He will absolutely do what's right. Not only do we recognize the wisdom of the Lord, but I want you to recognize for just a second the power of the Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. This is right before He goes through the putting on of the armor of God. He gets them prepared for the Christian battle, that is the, the fight against sin. That is the fight against Satan. The fight against the rulers of the darkness of this world. He goes on in Ephesians chapter 6. And if you look at verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. When he says be strong in the Lord, the point isn't, you're such a strong person, be strong. The point is, God is so strong that you put your strength in Him. And recognize he's awesome. If your strength's in the Lord, you can feel really good. You can absolutely have the best day. You know, Charlie came running, into, running in today when I woke up, or when she woke up actually, she came running in and she said, today is the best day ever. Well, if you want to have the best day ever, she found her toy, if that's what you were wondering. The, today is the best day ever because I recognize the power of the Lord is on my side. My strength isn't within me, but rather it's within God. And so he says, be strong in the Lord and, with, and in the power of His might. He says, put on the whole armor of God right after that. He goes through the armor and if you read through, I encourage you to recognize that everything is linked directly back to the Word of God. All right. Shield of faith, where does it come from? Word of God. Breastplate of righteousness, where does it come from? Word of God. Everything that is mentioned is only coming from your study of God's Word. Not only do we see the wisdom of the Lord, the power of the Lord, but notice finally the love 
of the Lord. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. We sing a song that comes from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. The love of God. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all fullness of God. The width from east to west, from depth to height, the width, the length, the depth, and the height. What he's saying is, it's astounding. What he's saying is, God's love is greater than anything that you will ever recognize. So now we go through all that. And the time comes that we've got to make application in life. I understand God is awesome. Madeline Grace. I understand He's awesome. But the question is, do I put it into practice? You know, it won't be very long, and we're fixing to install deacons. Understanding if one becomes a deacon, you have an awesome responsibility. What's that mean? That means you're not working for the elders. You're working for the Lord. If you take on a task such as that, whatever your hand finds to do, Scripture reads, do with all your might. If a person's an elder, you understand if I'm going to be an elder, I've got to have the reverential fear where I understand God has the goodness and the severity. The seriousness of the job is huge. The application comes back to the preacher. If I'm going to stand before the congregation and present a lesson, first off, evaluate self. Think about the awesomeness of God and understand you better put God in respect. But also recognize that the message that is preached better be the truth. congregation. We come together for worship on the first day of the week to recognize our great Lord in heaven. Alright, this is application. You follow me? And our brains in La La Land. Might even be 
We've got our phone out. If you sing the words, our God is an awesome God, and send a text message in the, in, in the middle, I promise you, you're singing the wrong song. If you sit in worship services and you enjoy playing games on your phone, you do not believe your God is an awesome God. Because you don't understand that God would so much as strike you dead over the disrespect that you give to His name. That's application. Do you believe God is awesome? I've got chills running up and down my back because I know there's been many a times that Jared Rhodes does not give God the respect he deserves. I encourage you, as you go through worship service, understand when Jacob recognized God is in this place, I promise you, God is in this place. And it comes down to us on whether or not we're fearfully going to believe that it's a terrible thing, whether or not we're going to believe reverence is due, whether or not we're going to believe it's dreadful to be on the wrong side of God. It's your decision, and it's your thought. But I encourage you, as we go through worship, I beg of you, focus on the words. As we sing songs, focus on the point, not just the sound. As we lead prayers and we go through the, the, the time where we speak to God, understand that we are speaking to God. And there better be reverence found. We have the opportunity to read Scripture. And it shames me sometimes that we expect that when we speak to God, it's something really important. But when God speaks to us, Scripture reading, when God speaks to us, it's unimportant. Do you understand the application? Our God is an awesome God. Pray that as we leave this place that we can recognize that there is something special about this place. And I pray that we can bring reverence to it. Let's pray together. God, how great and awesome is your name. We are so thankful that we have the opportunity to worship. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to serve. We pray, Father, that as we live, we live in a way in which we recognize how awesome you are through all our actions. We pray, Father, that we can live so that our respect to you is shown in everything that we do. We pray that others will recognize within it that we love you and that our desire is to put you first and we pray that they will come to want to love and to know more about your word so that they too can enjoy the great blessings of being a Christian. We thank you for this church and we thank you for the great opportunity that we have together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we close, I want to ask you, if you've given your life to Christ, if you're not a Christian, you know it's very simple. We ask that you obey God's word. And exactly, that's it. That's all we're asking. Don't have any other commands that I have to give you. If you'll obey God's word, you got it. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing God's word. They came about to a point where they had faith. We're going to talk a lot more about faith tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. 
But that faith spurred them to where they said, you know what, I've got to make a change in my life. We call it repentance. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It said they told them, repent and be baptized. Why? Because they had faith after hearing the lesson that Peter just preached. Because they understood and they repented, they followed through with the rest of what he's saying. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. So we see 3,000 souls were added to the church that day, and to God be the glory. Well, the things haven't changed. In 2021, if you're willing to put your faith in Christ, you're willing to repent of your sins, and you're willing to be buried in the water, you will be added to that same church that 3,000 were added to that day. But also, if you're a member of the church and you recognize, you know what? I might not have been all I should have been. You know, we're here, we're in this fight together. If I call out you, recognize it probably called out me. As we strive to be Christians, sometimes we take life just for granted. We take the, ability, the opportunity to worship for granted. If life seems as though you aren't where you ought to be, we're here to care and pray and encourage one another. If you haven't given your life to Christ, or if you feel you've strayed from that path, please come as we stand and sing.
For the young ones, you'll have to go to my office after services is over. Bring me your sheet. Go ahead and tally up the number and write it next to it. Thank you. We now have the opportunity to begin pre preparing our minds for the Lord's Supper. Uh, many of us hopefully would know that the Lord's Supper is um, that which we partake of every first, sun, first day of the week. In Man, that song really got me. Uh, in remembrance of the sacrifice that was made at the cross at Calvary. Uh, we'll sing number 269, Thomas' song, and then we'll have our uh, Lord's Supper.
As we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, is there anyone that does not have the, the emblems? We'll have them brought to you where you're seated. If you'll just raise your hand. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him he has put him to grief. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray as we proclaim the death of our Lord. Father, this morning we've been reminded of your, of your awesomeness. We're also reminded of the, the great sacrifice that was made because of our transgressions. Father, now as we take a moment to contemplate what happened leading up to the cross and on the cross, we thank you for giving our Savior on that cross for, on our behalf. It's through Jesus we pray to you. Amen.
Father, we continue now in prayer as we're mindful of the blood, the blood that was shed that was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins. We know, Father, that that blood can indeed cleanse every spot. Pray that you'll be with us now as our hearts, our minds go back to the cross and are thoughtful, mindful of what you've done for us through the blood of your Son. Through him we pray to you. Amen. Just a moment, we will have our closing song and then our dismissal prayer. I would like to ask each one of you to remain seated after our dismissal prayer so that we can do the act of installing the deacons this morning. But before we get to that, I have a letter that has been passed along to me that I feel appropriate to read to you at this time. The church family is so precious to me. Know that all my strength is renewed each day in the beauty that is seen in the works of my church family tirelessly, being the hands and the feet of my precious Lord Jesus. You have, caught, you have cared for me in ways that have forever been woven into my heart. We have God who is so much bigger than any storm. I would like to say if anyone does not know the the God of Abraham, do yourself a kindness and get to know him. He loves you right now in your present state. Don't think, just come forward and express your knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and you want him to love and guide you through your journey on earth. You and I are so precious in him. Uh, this is from our sister Susie Brummett. She came in this morning and as you know, we just had had a celebration and the funeral for her husband Wayne last week. This is the strength that she has in her faith in God. She can write something of this nature and come and present it to us. And we look, we agree with it, and we we want everyone to know that type of strength that she has. If you're visiting, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming and being with us this morning. We hope that you've enjoyed being here. We hope that you feel that you have truly worshiped in truth and in spirit. And we want you to come back any opportunity that you may have. Uh, we'll have our closing song at this time and then our dismissal prayer. And also, after services, remember, we're having potluck back here. There's good food back there and we welcome everybody as we begin our Lad to Leaders kickoff for this week. Let's sing number 83. God.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for all the many, many blessings that we receive each day. We thank you for this time this morning we, that we have to come and share this fellowship one with another, sing these songs of praise unto thy name, and to study and to learn more about thy word. Be with the sick, Heavenly Father, especially those of our number. We have so many. To be thy will, bring them back to their most wanted places in life. Also, Heavenly Father, be with the many that's lost loved ones and comfort them as I only can. Be with us now as we're about to give back, that we will do so with a cheerful and willing heart. Also, Heavenly Father, we we're about to receive this meal. Bless the hands that prepared it and bless it to the nourish for our bodies and for further use in our word. And forgive us for our sins, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For those of you visiting with us, we appreciate you staying to hear this because it's really closed circuit for the Olive Branch congregation. This is not part of our worship service. This is an act that takes place from way back. It is the appointment of deacons. Uh, we are very fortunate within this congregation to have several men who have come forward and let, their, let it be known that they wish to help in directing some of the work that goes on. Billy and I can't begin to do that. We're not assigned to do that by the scriptures. We're assigned to take care of other needs of a spiritual nature and not all the physical things that these men will be dealing with. And I think they're to be honored. I, uh, I had one of them ask me this morning, I won't identify which one it was. Are you going to pour some oil on my head and anoint me this morning? I wish I had some oil. I would fulfill his wishes. But it is to be something that is done. It is not part of our worship service, as I said, but it is something to be entered into in a reverent manner in the fact that these men will be taking on responsibilities that will guide the future of this congregation and help us in our efforts to keep the word going from this, this area. Olive Branch is a growing congregation. We've taken a lot of setbacks in the last year, due, year and a half due to the COVID situation. Uh, everywhere is. And in some ways, COVID has probably been one of the biggest allies the devil has in the fact that it has wrecked entire congregations. We're fortunate here that we have remained strong. We've been relatively lucky in the number of people who have had to endure the, the virus at different times. But we still have a future ahead of us and we have a lot of work. And these men will be doing a lot of work. So at this time, I'd like to ask James McKinney, Tyler Boyd, Kevin Haddock, Zach Walker, Paul McConnell, and Blake Hawkins to come up here with me on the stage. If you need to bring a kid with you, bring a kid.
these are the men who have been selected, who have uh, fulfilled the qualifications as far as Billy and I can see to be the deacons for this, be added to the deacons. We still have three. A uh, couple are up there in the booth working, Brother Nile and uh, uh, Mike Foster. Carrie dies at home recovering from the COVID. But these men will be joining them. We haven't got with them on specific responsibilities. We have ideas of responsibility, but it will take a little while to get everything worked out on the details. We will be letting you know which one takes care of which area of responsibility as soon as we can get it worked out. These are the men that will be leading us in our work as we carry on here in the future here at Olive Branch. I'd read to you from 1 Timothy 3, verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. These men will be servants, will be workers, the same as you and I. Whatever position we take in our work and our, in our efforts, we're all just servants of Christ. And we're all here to prove that point, that we're workers for Christ. And I present these men to you as our new deacons of this congregation. Billy, would you come and lead us in prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this day. And for our period of worship, we pray that all that we've said and done has been pleasing to thee. Now, Father, we come to thee at this time in a special way, thanking thee for these men and their families, each one individually. And we pray thy blessings upon each one in the work that they have been doing, are doing, and will now continue to do in a special way in the service unto thee. We thank thee, we pray for them, and we thank thee for the opportunity that we have to serve in every and any way that we possibly can. We thank thee for Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross, the church which he purchased with his blood, and that we can be part of it, and that we can all be fellow laborers in thy work, in thy kingdom, we thank thee in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>